What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Draft Alps for another Draft Snack. A quick little help and a little bitty snack to hold you over until the next draft. That's right. I'm Dylan. And I'm Benjamin. Today, I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but today... We are drafting the greatest Republican presidents. Woo-wee! It's voting season, y'all. <laughs> Get ready. Talking about Republican presidents. But before... Oh, go ahead. I'm well, not trying to cut you off. I was going to say, you know, these, I don't know how to sum this. Man, I'm just in shock that we're even doing this. Like, because, okay, the Republican Party has not always been the same, right? It's not always been the same. It's switched... Okay, I should know this as a historian, but my U.S. history is a little bit weak because I don't teach it. It switched sometime after the Civil War, right? The Democrat and the Democratic and Republican parties, their ideology switched. Yeah, because I mean, especially Civil War is definitely a lot different than what modern Republicanism is. Yeah. But the 20th century, it's so different. Like, yeah. we were just talking off mic, but Theodore Roosevelt is considered a Republican. And he was a progressive. He was the, he was a trust buster. The things he was doing back then are things that Bernie Sanders would want to do now. Yes. And we think of Bernie Sanders as being this crazy, so like rep- democratic, so socialist. Or if you're, you know, if you're really far right, you think he is just a pure socialist. Um, but yeah, he's a Republican. So it goes through all of these different changes, anti-business to being pro-big business. To being just like cut taxes, yeah, pretty much, basically, yeah. Just that that's that's it. Yeah, we need investment economy. It's all about the economy. Cut taxes for the rich. For the rich, but let's tell them it's for the public. Before we can draft, we need to roll the dice for the glory of choice. I think it's you've got sitting it. in front of me, so I'm gonna roll that dice really quickly. It's a. Is that a four? It's it's uh it's got the dot underneath it, so it's a six. Oh. Right? The dot goes underneath. Is yeah. that what we established? Dot on the bottom. Oh, it's so hard to keep track of. Come on, Bessie. What does it say? Still rolling. We're still rolling. Sixteen. Oh! Oh! Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. So Dylan, you'll have the first pick. Oh my Here God. in round one of Greatest Republican Presidents. Round one! Well, listen, I think... Oh, hold on. Well, I guess that's not... that's. You have the glory of choice. Do you want to go first? I do. Okay. I do, because I think there's a clear McDonald's pick. Yeah, there's a McDonald's pick. Uh, and I'm going to say, that McDonald's pick is Abraham fucking Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Let's go! Um, you know, there was an interesting conversation we had, uh, or maybe it was an inquiry. One of our colleagues developed, or it was a question, um, was actually, I think it's kind of a dumb question, but was Abraham Lincoln racist? And we, we spent an hour of our precious time in our grad school history class, you know, where we develop our teaching methods for history talking about this stupid fucking question. Like the obvious question, the obvious answer is yes. Why are we talking about this? Shut the fuck up. Yes, he was. However, you know what he did? He, uh, rallied. He absolutely rallied 
our union through the Civil War. He took us through the Civil War, y'all. Not only did he do that, right, but he also abolished slavery, right? Um, when he got elected, dude, Southern Democrats were pissed. Yeah, but split, they, were, they were dumbasses. Go ahead, sorry. It split the Democratic Party. It And then, um, furthermore... It it's it split the country. They were dumbasses. You go on now. I've talked enough. No, I mean he's your pick. I was just gonna say the demo the Democrats lost in 1860 because they were dumbasses. They couldn't come together as a party, so they had two candidates who pulled from each other, which gave Lincoln the lead. If if they hadn't done that, if they had just stuck by one of their candidates, Lincoln won to one. I'm not saying that's right, like. Because they did that, the country ended up where it is today. And right. I mean, Jesus, who knows what this hellhole would have been like. Oh, God. If Democrats would have won since they were pro-slavery. Or half of the party was pro-slavery. I mean, Brazil didn't abolish slavery till 1888 or 85. I can't remember. It's in the 80s. I bet you we would have gone longer. You think so? Yeah. Past the 80s? Probably. Oh, my God. That's only 20 years after the Civil War. That's true. That's true. Um, did Brazil have a war over that? I'm that, sure they did. That is I something know. I don't know. I just know that they abolished slavery super late. Um, man, I mean, Lincoln was a badass. Now I want to be clear. He went into the, into the civil, he went, he became president, not wanting to necessarily abolish slavery. That wasn't part of his platform. Right. But it became an obvious advantage that he utilized. Right. It was tactically important. Um, it was a strategic um, kind of moment for him that he took advantage of and saw the opportunity to do it. And I think that's very important. It's, uh, you know, it's just kind of annoying that he uh, be, was assassinated and then Andrew Johnson took over, right? And mm-hmm. And then Reconstruction kind of fizzled out. So... It didn't go the the way that uh, it should have gone. Nope. And then Jim Crow ended up getting <clears throat> instituted decades later. Which is just kind of like slavery 2.0. Yeah. Economic slavery. Right. But uh, Abraham Lincoln, definitely uh, awesome. Although, you know what? My friend Peter in college would always tell me when I'd say that. He suspended habeas corpus. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, he did. But we were also in a civil war, bro. He, you do crazy shit when you're in a civil war. That's true. Right? He was fighting, if you've seen that movie, he was also fighting uh, vampires. Dude. Yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, it's actually pretty entertaining. I saw that in theaters. And it was awesome. You find out that his kid died because it was killed by a vampire. Dude, I was actually about to bring that up. If, okay. I just recently rewatched Ken Burns, um, so the Civil War, because that's my favorite documentary. That's my favorite Ken Burns. Okay. It's got the best music. Do you disagree? Well, you haven't watched Roosevelt. It's true. I haven't watched Roosevelt, but I've, I've watched a bunch of other Ken Burns. I mm. like this one. The narrator's good. The music's good. The primary sources are dope. Yeah. It's it's good. It's very it's good. All Ken Burns is good. Yes. Check it out. Anyway, him losing his kid. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, it's brutal. It's fucking horrifying. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I'm amazed that he... 
managed to lead, like get the union to win because the first general he had, I forget his name, but he was like a lame duck general and he didn't want to do anything. Um, I wish I could remember this dude's name. Um, yeah, he didn't want to do anything. Hmm. He didn't want to like actually lead the union army against the Confederate army. Man, I know what you're talking about too. Yeah. I forget that guy's name. He had a mustache. A lot of people had mustaches. What the fuck was that guy's name? Um, I'm trying to check for you, but... Civil War Union Generals. Let's see if I can come up with it. Uh, Okay, we got Grant McClellan. It was fucking McClellan. General McClellan. Yeah. That was the guy. So... Uh, McClellan, for the longest time, didn't want to do anything. It's because he was a governor, dude. He was a governor of New Jersey who was thrust into war. Was that it? Yeah. Oh, my God. George McClellan was an American soldier, Civil War Union general, civil engineer, railroad railroad executive, and politician who served as the 24th governor of New Jersey. Wait. Hold up. This doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound right at all. Okay. Anyway, we're we're going really in deep on this. Listen, y'all, just go watch Ken Burns Civil War. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, first pick. Solid first pick. Who are you going to pick? Theodore Roosevelt. Oh! Teddy. Oh! Coincidentally, solid. I went to Roosevelt Elementary, and we were the Roosevelt Raiders. Oh. Okay. Yep. Is that a little problematic? I don't know. Wasn't that during the Mexican-American War? Spanish-American War. Spanish-American War. Hell yeah, bro. That is a little problematic. <laughs> Roosevelt Raiders, let's go. Rough Riders. Oh, no. Hey, you know what? He was... Theodore Roosevelt was really leaning into imperialism. Yeah. Like, all of our yeah. last... All of the last little places that we got that are not states are all because of Theodore Roosevelt. Yes. And I'm not saying that's why I'm picking him. That's not what makes him great. Like, do you enjoy hiking? Do you enjoy those precious lands that you drive through on road trips and you see the wooden signs with the yellow highlights and you see Olympic National Forest? Do you enjoy bears? Do you enjoy wildlife and bisons and Yellowstone and Yosemite and the Grand Canyon? And I and I'm not trying to do a disservice to anyone on the East Coast. I've just never really been to the East Coast, so I don't know a lot of national parks over there. But National parks are national parks because of Theodore Roosevelt. This dude was obsessed with nature. Like, he was a nature enthusiast. He served a term as president, and then he left in part to go do more nature shit. He was a nature fanatic. He was like, I'm going to go to the Amazon in the early 20th century when nothing's developed, and they're still using fucking steamboats. That's not true. They're using coal boats by this time. I'm pretty sure he was traveling on steamboats when he went up to went to the Amazon or went down to the Amazon. He almost died. This dude nearly died. Comes back is still so popular that he starts his own party, and you know it kind of goes downhill from there. But he's a precious gem. He was a he was a ball buster. He was all about the worker. Man, at the same time, um, who's the guy who writes the Jungle? Oh, Upton Sinclair. Yeah, this Upton Sinclair's The Jungle comes out and it depicts like the horrors of working within the meat industry within the United States 
and how there's no regulation on the meat industry. Yep. There's no FDA at this point. Oh, but there is an FDA because of Theodore Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why you can go to a store and purchase clean, safe, non-rotting meat that has been manufactured in a way that preserves workers' bodily, like their limbs. Huh. They're not losing fingers and shit. That's all because of Theodore Roosevelt. Like, I mean, I don't know how it's a hundred years later. You can look back and like, obviously question some stuff because some of the things Theodore Roosevelt put into action didn't have like the teeth that they needed longevity wise. So he busted up standard oil, but now all the oil is basically consolidated again. So he tried to do something really good. And at the time it was really good, but he was not about big business. He wasn't like the modern, like today's modern Republican, but you know, I think he was a great template for what a great president could be. He was really pushing boundaries, trying to take us in a direction that was like noble, respectable, like that, that quote speak soft and carry a large stick. Yes. Like that's all Theodore Roosevelt. He used the bully pulpit too. Like that's another thing. He used the media to his advantage. He was always talking with the papers. Always. Always. Dude, he once got shot. Like he was about to give a speech. Got shot. Went up. Gave the speech. And then came down and got (laughs) tended to. And the speech was like hours long. Yeah. He was amazing. It's a fucking G. Like, say what you want about his imperialism, but, you know, like, great president. And some would argue that, you know, his imperialistic efforts furthered U.S. goals, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's touchy. I mean, he was a product of his time, right? So, just like Abraham Lincoln, that question you asked, was Abraham Lincoln racist? Like, yeah, everyone was racist back then. Yeah. But the thing there, and there were things like imperialism, like that was just part of Westernism at that time. Like everyone was just about it. Expand for your country and for your people. Like he was a true explorer. He wanted to go and conquer the world, yep. but not in a fascist way. Like he wanted to preserve free freedom of and democracy. For, yeah. He valued the free press for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, in this. C-SPAN, I feel like C-SPAN is a pretty reliable source. They're not for profit by any means. And in their presidential historian surveys that they do every so many years, if you didn't pick up on the name, they're surveying historians. Um, But Franklin, or sorry, Theodore Roosevelt, he's he's number four consistently in 2000, 2009, 2017, 2021. He's number four. Consistently. Consistently, and he's the number two Republican consistently. And Abe Lincoln's consistently number one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The McDonald's pick of Republicans. Oh, he is definitely the McDonald's pick. But I think think Theodore Roosevelt actually gives him a little run for his money. Like, Theodore gets to to serve a full term. Yeah. He doesn't get his head blown off. It's true. It's true. And there's a lot of things that Theodore Roosevelt did that we still benefit from today. I'm not saying that people don't benefit from what Abraham Lincoln got rid of slavery. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, that's pretty fucking big. Yep. But also, we can go enjoy national parks with our black friends. Yeah. Man. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God. 
National parks. National parks. Okay, so that's first round. First pick of second round. Okay. Round two. You think you got it? Oh, I already. I, I'm taking. Uh, old Ike. Oh. Dwight Eisenhower. I feel like that's an easy McDonald's pick for the second round. Damn you. Oh, decorated war or World War II general. Seriously, super just savvy, savvy dude. Really in touch with the American public. Had a great presidency. Again, I'm thinking about presidents who have a fingerprint on what we're doing today. And in a non-biased way, things that are beneficial to everyone, regardless of political affiliation. Right? Like if you're super Republican yourself and you're like, okay, Donald Trump is the clear number two, like he should have been the number one. He helped secure the Supreme Court for conservatives and blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of religion and other stuff that feeds into that kind of narrative. And I'm thinking, okay, what does everyone use? Highways. Mm-hmm. The Highway Act. I think it was 1956. That's all Eisenhower, baby. He, in World War II, he sees how Hitler has outfitted Germany with with the Audubon. I believe that's what it is, right? Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's ease of access for the military, for them to move everything. He's like, damn, we need something like that across the whole United States. And so they do that. And wow, incredible. Like, that's why when you drive on any interstate highway in the U.S., all of the overpasses are the same height. All semi-trucks can clear them easily. All military equipment can clear them easily. Plane equipment can clear them easily. Like, this is all facilitated for the potential need for military use. And I think that's just genius. I mean, and it's, and it's, a, it's a utility that I think a lot of times we take for granted. But we can drive across the country, and it's all because this act was put in place. And that's huge. I mean, desegregation of schools. Let's go, Eisenhower. Like, that's all Ike. Oh, yeah, that happened under his administration, huh? Yeah. Brown versus board. Yeah. Like, he is... Did he support that? Yeah. The one pushback I'll give about the interstates uh-huh. is that a lot of interstates went through and tore down poor neighborhoods, which oftentimes happened to be black or Asian um, or Hispanic. Um, most of the time, black. And so that is an unfortunate and very lasting legacy. I mean, literally, like, look at Seattle. I-5 cut through Seattle. Yeah, I remember in 2018 when we were in our grad program, Mark and I went to Portland for, like, a teacher training. Mm -hmm. And one of the courses that I took was related to how communities are divided by transit systems and by highways. Yep. So it'd be this, and it showed it not just in our country, but around the world, how there'll be like a super affluent area on one side of the freeway and then a really like, like impoverished area on the other. Oh yeah, man. Other side of the tracks. But see, there are now movements, especially in our country that are looking to like bridge that, like literally oh. bridge it. I was reading a thing in the Seattle Times. Sorry to be a little ta- tangential here, but let's roll into it. Seattle Times was talking about how they're looking in discussing plans where they build over i5 all through the freeway all oh, over the, they put like a 
what's it called? They they want to cap it. Yeah, they want to cap everything going through downtown. So all of I five going downtown, you have to take tunnels to get out at their current exits, or you'd take you know, but it would all be built over. So then Capitol Hill would connect seamlessly with downtown. Dude, build over it, put a park there. It'd be dope. Because I don't think you can... I was just reading... There are parts that are really high. Yeah, it would, it would be a little bit weird, but I don't think you can cap it and build over it like you did with the, like they did with the convention center. Because that has, if you notice, like lots of steel beams and stuff. Yeah. You need a lot of resources to make it like support buildings, but you could put a park over it. Dude, all it takes is a vote. Yeah, that's right. All it takes is a vote. Let's cap I-5. It takes a vote and a levy. You know, my house, I'm not going to reveal where my house is. or I bet but, you can reveal your neighborhood. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I live in Beacon Hill, and my house used to be where I-5 was. They moved it. They When I-5 got built, they physically moved my house up the hill. Damn, that's crazy. Isn't that fucking crazy? So I five literally moving, dividing neighborhoods. We should cap it. Cap it. Wow. Uh, cool pick with Eisenhower. Uh, Interstate system not going to deny it's great. I just went down to Mount Rainier in two hours the other day. It's awesome. So, and and I, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Got down to Eugene in I think like five hours. Just yeah. I want to talk up actually Roosevelt for a second. Because I was reading in Mount Rainier on one of the informational plaques because I love those. Mm-hmm. Uh, how Mount Rainier was the first national park to have a grand design. They called it a grand design where they designed the road system through it um, and like where people would be funneled purposefully. And so it influenced every national park design after that. And so they part of the grand design was sunrise. So you drive up along a cliff edge all the way up to sunrise and this cliff edge is, I mean, breathtaking the whole way. Like you get views of the cascades and of, of Mount Rainier the whole time until you finally get about 6,800 feet in elevation and Mount Rainier is just right there. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, and it's all again because of Teddy Roosevelt. Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. I mean, look at literal Mount Rushmore. I mean, let's pay a little. Our our show is called Mount Draftmore. The actual Mount Rushmore. It's got Lincoln. Shout out to your first pick Woo! and Theodore Roosevelt. That's right. I mean, clutch. Yeah. Um, okay. <sighs> okay. So, man, who do I pick? I'm I'm kind of jealous. You got Teddy and Ike. Uh, I, I was really ho- if I had gotten Glory of Choice, I would have picked to have the wraparound to have those two. I yeah. think Lincoln is a good enough like I'll I'll miss out on Lincoln to get those two. Cuz now we're going to start getting into we're going to get into more mo- more mat- more modern Republicans. You know, I think So this list I'm looking at has Ronald Reagan next. Oof. But here's the thing, I don't want to pick Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> because well. his his policies have led to a lot of issues that we suffer from today. So I'm going to pick Ulysses S. Grant. Next. Ooh, you're going with a throwback. I'm going bro. with a throwback. Grant, in his time, was labeled as a drunk by many, many different people through all his, through his different walks of life. Like, not even one time period in his life. Through many different walks of life. Um, you know, 
it's questionable whether he was a drunk or not. I do think he probably like probably had the occasional bender. You know, I don't know if he went for days at a time, but maybe the occasional night where he was just shit faced. Um, but man, like you, I don't know if we would have won the civil war without him, dude. Um, so let me give you a little background. But that's him as a general versus him as a president. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. So, um, so a little background, he comes from pretty, I mean, common roots, right? He, he was a failed businessman. Um, he took over, I think it was his like wife's father's business or something like that, or he helped him with it and Grant failed. He went into the army and he was called a drunk and I think disgraced and given some menial job. But then like Lincoln chose him to be a general because he saw potential in him. And once Grant went into the field, dude, like there's this one phrase from him where one of his uh, subordinates comes up to him and he's like, sir, we, we lost bad today. And Grant, he doesn't lose his cool or anything. He's under a tree. He's under a sycamore, I think. And he just says, we'll whip him tomorrow. Jesus. Yeah. And then he does, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, he was just great, you know, uh, but, um, as president, I think what he gave was mostly optimism, right? He came back and it was like, oh, you were the general that was elevated by Lincoln. You know, we just got out of Johnson's presidency. You know, I think he brought a lot of optimism back to the presidency. Um, so, uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. I love Ulysses S. Grant. I honestly, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know too many um, of his, let's say, presidential qualities. Yeah. But as a general, being a general is definitely what got him elected. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. Oh, definitely. I don't know. Let's see. I'm trying to find him on this C-SPAN poll. I mean, I, I take it every, every source you take with a grain of salt, but I'll take C-SPAN. Um, While you're doing that? They're pretty good. Oh, so he's... Uh, 20th in 2021, 22nd, 23rd, 33rd. So he's like, he's looking better with history as time goes by. He worked to implement congressional reconstruction of the South and to remove the vestiges of slavery. Okay. So he furthered the efforts of reconstruction. Um, and, um, and he actually allowed radical reconstruction to run its course in the South Um, and you know, this included sometimes the South being inundated with people who might be called carpetbaggers or the union soldiers. Um, but at this time, actually like black folks were able to rise into positions of prominence during Grant's presidency. So I think Grant actually, um, Grant was pretty cool. Cool president. Good general. Great general. One of the best generals. One of the great. Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. fantastic general. He was great. He was so good. So good. Um, 
Yeah, and awesome president. Awesome president. Nice. Ulysses S. Grant. Can't be mad at that. Y'all, that is the first half of our draft snack. We are sponsored today by the National Republican Party. We're going to give you a little ad by them, and then we'll get right back into some more snacks. America, I have a special announcement to make. With the support of my lovely wife, Laura, and the Republican denomination, I have decided to run for a third? Yes, it's third. Third term as President of the United States. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I've prepared a special list of reasons why I think I should be reelected. <laughs> Firstly, I have a black friend now, Michelle Obama. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I've worked hard. Okay, I've worked on my social equity. Okay. Second, because I have a black friend, other countries with brown people won't want to go to war with me. <laughs> That's right. Numero dos. I'm pretty fun to party with. You get enough quaaludes in me, I might even do a keg stand. All righty. Number four. I'm pretty sure I can bridge two islands. I can glue us back together. Cinco. I can still dodge a shoot. I've kept in shape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and finally, finally, let's simmer down. I'm technically younger than Trump and definitely younger than Biden. We'll have a president with a spring in his step. All right, America. I love sweet, sweet freedom fries. And if you take make me ill, Duce, I promise to protect and cherish the most vulnerable of American cuisines, the taco. Thank you. Thank you. get into this you got the next pick so i didn't want to take him for round two i'm taking him for the top of round three because listen this guy swept the nation okay uh he he came in at albeit a pretty strategic time for this to happen right um but he swept the nation i mean a majority of people voted for him in a way that doesn't happen too often, right? I mean, I can think off the top of my head, well, it happened with Obama, right? Where a clear majority of people voted for him. Um, and it was kind of like a national moment. And this was a bit of a national moment with Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Ronald Reagan came in. He What he provided, I'll argue, was optimism. Okay. So he came in at a rough time. Right, we're coming with the baby boom generation and the and the, the so-called greatest generation having witnessed a couple of tumultuous decades. Right, with the '60s and the civil rights movement, and then civil rights leaders being assassinated, and then um, the '70s and perhaps pretty prolific hard drug use in the '70s, um, and uh, the gasoline crisis. Right. 
um, in the 70s. And then 1978 comes along and the Iran, the Iran hostage crisis happens. And I listen, I'm not going to blame Carter for this. Carter didn't. I don't think he fumbled. He had it resolved. It he was did. Just, it, he like the Canadians and him had it resolved. Yes. But it just didn't get put through. It until, happened on the final day of his presidency. Yeah. The inauguration day is so fucked up. Yeah. So obviously he's not going to get, you know, he's just going to get blamed for that forever. So stupid. Yeah. Hopefully history remembers Carter more fondly. Um, but nevertheless, it did not look good. The Iran hostage crisis did not look good for Carter and did not help him at all. Neither did the gas crisis in uh, the presidential race. And Ronald Reagan was a friendly, affable fellow who liked to make jokes. Yeah. He's an actor. He's an actor. If you watch the videos of the inaugural like opening of Disneyland, he's one of the corresponding like informants there. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. He's like interviewing Richard Nixon. That's crazy. Nixon gets off the like monorail or whatever. That is crazy. Um Yeah. And and you know, Ronald Reagan also he I think he represented something a little bit bigger worldwide. He put up a pretty tough front against the USSR. Right, he wasn't taking like Carter, pretty like I mean he was a peanut farmer. They took his peanut farm. Um, sorry, poor guy. I know, right? Trump gets to keep his business, but Carter had to give away his fucking peanut farm. Right. Um. So anyway, sorry guys, sorry y'all. Um, but uh, Ronald Reagan put up a pretty tough front, um, politically, um. And, uh, and, and then, you know, once the USSR collapsed, I think a lot of credit was probably posthumously given to Reagan for that, but I don't think he really helped that necessarily. I think that it was coincidental. I don't know. Reagan just makes the rich richer. Oh, definitely. That's the worst part about Reagan makes the rich richer. And that leads to today, like mega rich people. And you could say that's what makes him one of the great Republican presidents. I mean, if for those, you know, few families that get to benefit from that massive wealth increase, but for the majority of people, it's not that great. It's no different than Trump's tra- tax. It's no different than Trump's tax cuts. I would say it's worse. It's had some pretty bad long term impacts. We haven't, we're not that far off from Trump, so we don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, let's talk in. 40 years, 30, 40 years. I think, listen, y'all, I do not agree with Ronald Reagan's presidency, um, but he won two terms and he was very popular, um, at least in his first term. And my grandparents worshipped him, (laughs) you know, so even when he was long gone, people were still praising him. People still praise him today. If you were a Republican today, you praise Ronald Reagan. I mean, he was kind of, you know, the turn to like Christian evangelicism. I don't know about evangelicism, but the turn to like Christianity in the movement really started happening under Reagan big time. Um, like the whole Republican Party changed under him. Oh, it really did. It really did. So he's he's in terms of. He, he's like the founder of the modern Republican Party. 
Yeah. So I feel like it's important to talk about him when you're talking about Republican presidents. Right. Even if it makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> so on to you. Okay. So, you know, here's a fun fact. As of 2022, as 2022, no candidate of either party has since equaled or surpassed George H.W. Bush's share of the electoral or popular vote. Wow. Right? No Republican candidate since has won California, Illinois, New Jersey, Maryland, Connecticut, all of Maine, Delaware, or Vermont. Was he riding off the popularity of being the vice president for Reagan? That's funny that you say that because George H.W. Bush became the first vice president to be elected since Martin Van Buren in 1836. Wow. And yes, he was the vice president of Ronald Reagan. So I'm going to follow up that Ronald Reagan pick with his VP, George H.W. Bush, because he totally leans into into everything Reagan was doing. Oh, yeah, 100%. And he was director of, what, the CIA? Yeah, that's what also makes him kind of like, whoa, he's kind of cool. It's also shady. He was in some, like, shady-ass shit you before know he got involved in politics. Dude, some shit crossed his desk. Oh, yeah. He knew all about the Iran Missile Contra. He knew all about the crack epidemic and everything. Like, <sighs> this dude had his hands and everything. And the, and the crazy thing is, the reason why he did not get reelected is because he rose taxes. Damn. Yeah, like he, part of his platform when he ran was like, I will not raise taxes. And he did. And then that was like, he did a lot of things. He, I mean, he was the one who helped facilitate the most successful military effort in American history with the Iraq war or with um, Operation with, Desert Storm. Yeah, with Desert Storm. He was in and out. In and out. No other, like there is no other military operation that has been that successful. That's Pretty all crazy. under his watch. He helped, like, he put his thumb on top of Saddam. He was like, what a bitch. Boom. <laughs> Get the fuck out of Kuwait. What do you know? <laughs> he did that shit. But he rose taxes. And then this is where a little bit of, like, personal politics gets in. But, I mean, taxes is the dirtiest word in American politics. It's so dirty. You cannot tell voting constituents that you're going to raise taxes. Even in liberal areas, it's you, a little hard. You can't do it for anyone. Like, no American wants to hear that their taxes are going to go up, even though taxes are so ambiguous. Like, I don't think the average person would notice if a little higher percent got taken out. Like, yeah, you're going to see, like, pennies on the dollar get taken out. and But if you're already struggling, like, those pennies aren't going to, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I actually have a little more respect for him because he he increased taxes when he knew he had to. I wonder if after him, Republicans were like, ooh, we shouldn't raise taxes. Well, the battle is like you either, if the economy isn't doing the greatest, you have to raise taxes. You have to. You have to. If the economy isn't doing great and you don't raise taxes, you're basically condemning the nation. It's like, oh, deep recession. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. We got to wait for the economy to pull you out because we can't pull you out by adjusting like the tax code. Man. I know, but if you have the money, like you should pay, just pay more. I know that sucks. It sucks to say that. 
but it goes to the places we need. I remember after George W. Bush, like his son, mm-hmm. you had no child left behind, but then there were also tax cuts in education, which was just ironic. Like, come on, you're going to talk about you need to help kids, but then you're cutting money from school so that something like sports programs, which were always a part of like elementary education. And like, I remember when I was in elementary school, you could travel to other elementaries as part of your sports program and compete. But then that all got cut. Yeah. I mean, well, and no child left behind has sinister impacts long-term impacts on education as well. Dude, fucking standardized testing is the worst. Yeah. The I mean, worst. It, it can it can absolutely it absolutely disproportionately impacts lower income schools which are often BIPOC. And think of how much money they how much money those testing practices cost. Oh, yeah, there's a whole institution on it. Like billions of dollars. Yeah. Stupid. It's crazy. But not because of Bush, not because of H.W. Bush, CIA mastermind. CIA mastermind, H.W. The last guy, the last Republican to win the popular vote. Dude, that's crazy. That's super crazy. Um, You're, oh. Oh, oh no, got, you, you've I got have the wraparound. Wrap oh, oh, shit. So, oh, we got to hit that round four music, oh, dang, son. round four time. Round four. The list of folks is dwindling. I definitely know you don't want to take a Republican right before um, the Great Depression. Oh, God. Like, you're not going to do that. That's a bad move. So just highlighting who's left. Gerald Ford is a Republican. Yep. Richard Nixon. You got Nixon. You got Taft. You got Taft. Rutherford Rutherford B. Hayes. Which no one's going to remember. If you don't... if Yo, I, how, wait, real quick. How about Chester A. Arthur? I don't remember anything about him either. <sighs> and I studied American history, so I feel like there are presidents where they have their fingerprint on things, and you're like, damn, you got to give them credit for that. Oh, yeah. Um, George W. is also on the board, and then, of course, Trump's on the board. The problem with history is, like, you taking people who are really super modern. So taking someone like Trump, he's a hard pick. And that's not because of political affiliation, even though that doesn't help. But because the things that he did, you haven't seen the lasting impact of that. Like right now, a conservative in my position might say, oh, Trump, no doubt, because just the way he shaped the Supreme Court currently, you know, that's going to have like a long lasting effect. But we don't know what that effect is. Versus we we can kind of look back on these other guys and see you know, a little more of a developed fingerprint. Ooh, so who you gonna pick? Who you gonna pick? Hmm. I think I'm gonna... Fuck, dude. That, this is a hard pick. Hard pick. Who did you pick last? You picked Reagan. You went with a controversial guy third. I did. I picked him. Okay, I'll pick Nixon third then. Damn. I I didn't know if I wanted to have a controversial guy on my list, but he is, he's pretty successful. Yeah. 
he's super racist. Yeah. I'm not saying I would have supported him by any means. And he really learned how to like weaponize the silent majority. That's what he's really known for. Like taking people's built up animosities and learning how to weaponize it into a vote. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he takes over after a long administration, uh, after a long administration, a long democratic administration. Um, I believe he was the he was actually the vice president of Eisenhower. So he's coming from like a clean cloth, mm-hmm. right? He ran against Kennedy, got beat. Johnson gets put into office, then Johnson wins, and Johnson does some big things. But people get tired of the Johnson administration and like our participation within Vietnam. So Nixon is the one who really gets us out of Vietnam. We're in it for a while. And does he conduct some sketchy things with Henry Kissinger? No doubt. Agent Orange, uh, sketchy. You know, a lot of guerrilla warfare, a lot of needless mm, warfare. They have the draft. All of that happens under Nixon. Um, Actually, fact check me on that real quick. Does the draft happen under Nixon? Looking. Nixon takes office in 69, by the way. 69 to 74 when he has to leave in disgrace because of Watergate. The existing existing draft law was expiring at the end of June 1971, but the Department of Defense and Nixon administration decided the draft needed to continue for at least some time. So I wasn't wrong. No. Now, I have a book. Uh, by one of my college professors that talks about Watergate and uh, how Nixon wasn't actually, like the immediate event of Watergate didn't actually involve Nixon. It involved people within his administration and then they all lied about it and then other stuff like came out because of that. You know what I'm talking about? No. Hmm. I'm I'm curious what this book is. I know. Hold on a second. Ben, Let me grab it because it's right over here. Ben has a large library. He's currently walking over to his library to get the book. It's thick. Oh, I've read that. This a Patriot's a- History. Yeah. Oh. The, Michael Allen was my was one of my like lead professors. So and- I had to read that and and compare it to uh, Zinn's history book. A People's History. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And what do you think of that? I like a people's history. It's just, you know, it's kind of like this one. It's, it's, it's somewhat incomplete. People's history is sort of morose and it focuses heavily on the experiences and voices of oppressed peoples, which is great. The problem is it does not really demonstrate what I would call joy or resilience in history, which is something that as an ethnic studies teacher, I try to focus on. Um, Patriot's history, I think leaves all that out. So Patriot's history is incomplete in a completely different way. Yeah, it's very much like the hurrah, let's go history. Yes. Let's go American history. In, Here's what makes us awesome. In fact, I would not call it a Patriot's history. I would call it a nationalist's history would be the more proper term, in my opinion. Um, as I always tell my students, a Patriot is someone who loves their country and is willing to critique it. A nationalist is someone who thinks their country is the best, in fact, better than other countries. Um, and that includes, like, way of life, 
um, government, everything. And I mean, I don't know. I think at this point with the political gridlock in the U.S., it's kind of hard to argue that, you know, as a patriot who loves my country, I would say, well, we, we have some things to work on. Anyway. Okay, so this is taken from the Patriots history um, by Larry Schwagert and Michael Allen. It talks about how the plumbers broke into Watergate building in Washington, D.C. However, subsequent evidence behind the break-in was Nixon's White House counsel, John Dean, author's friend, Marine, was connected to a call girl ring and that Dean dispatched the plumbers with cameras to photograph the key address book that would or would not prove her involvement. So it was, it was this guy, John Dean, who was sending the plumbers in to see if this girl, Marine, was connected with a prostitution ring. And there was an address book that would basically either absolve her involvement or can like you know demonstrate her guilt yeah so that was what watergate was all about and because john james dean was did i say james or john i already closed the book and i think uh john mr dean yeah because mr dean was a part of the administration this turned into this whole thing that led to nixon getting axed now granted this is coming from a I mean, have you got to you got to be real about where your sources are coming from, and we'll acknowledge that the Patriots' history of the United States is a lot more conservative, which is going to view Richard Nixon in a more positive lens. Bill O'Reilly gives the foreword. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone who listens to know, like when when conservatives are like liberal colleges indoctrinating the folks. I went to what would be considered a liberal college in the University of Washington. Yeah. Michael Allen was one of our lead history professors. This man wrote this book, and it definitely does not lean liberal. So no. just it, come on. Like, this isn't, it's not as cut and dry as you think it is. No, no. Stop looking at Facebook. Yeah, um, stop looking at Facebook, y'all. All right. I, you know, I was looking through these other Republican presidents and I like Herbert Hoover, Hoover was a horrible guy. I'm not going to pick him. I don't know anything about Benjamin Harrison, James Garfield, Warren G. Harding, Chester A. Arthur. Who the fuck knows about Chester A. Arthur? I, he took over after he took over after um, Garfield was assassinated. Yeah, Garfield gets shot up. Rutherford B. Hayes. L- listen, I may be controversial. However, y- like we're 20 years out now and on Reddit and ask um, historians, uh, historian websites on Reddit, there's a 20 year rule. 20 years out now from 9-11. And the president who got, I don't know if I should say got us through 9-11 or m- perhaps mired us further in the quagmire in 9-11 is certainly a significant Republican president. You cannot deny the legacy of George W. He does have quite the legacy, even after just 20 years. He got a movie right after his presidency. (laughs) It's so crazy. (laughs) So, I mean... 
I mean, it's at, at this point, children have been born. I, I'm teaching kids who were born after his presidency at this point. Yeah, um, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. But we are children of his presidency. Like, we weren't born when he was no. in, but we were. He was one of the first presidents that was elected that we can, like, consciously remember. I lost my virginity during his presidency. Church. Yes. So, um, you know, I was I was sowing my oats, as they say. But um, George W. Bush, you know, I often think, like, what would Al Gore have done? During, um, you know, when 9-11 would have inevitably happened, whether or not George Bush was president, what would Al Gore have done? Would he have taken us to Afghanistan? I think that's still a logical thing to do, actually. I don't disagree with that. Dude, man, it's so hard because looking back at 9-11, and I'm not trying to be like a tinfoil hat guy, but there's a lot of inconsistencies with 9-11 that kind of point to it being an inside job. Maybe. And if that's the case, like the evidence of inside job falls on cooperative uh, behavior between the Bush and the bin Laden family. Like this is all written out by Bush's brother, like who at this time is already getting into politics down in Florida where there's, you know, where the presidential election was hung up with Gore. Oh yeah, that's right. So, I mean, and it goes to the Supreme court. I, I just don't know, dude. I I feel like it's all orchestrated. You look at you look at what was laid out in terms of the evidence uh, supporting conspiracy and George Bush's reaction when he's reading the book in front of the kids. Like, ooh, some will say, ooh, what poise! Look at him. He's he's becoming the leader that we'd all expect him to be. Like, no, dude, this dude was a party animal, like <laughs> Yale. He was a drunk, like cokehead. Yes, part of Skull and Bones. And he was not a popular president until 9-11. Like, 9-11 turned his presidency around. I don't even think he was president for very long. No, it was like a little over a year. Or not even a year, actually. No. No, no, no. Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess it would have been almost a year, though. You're right. Um, I mean, okay. I, I'm not going to dive into the conspiracy route. I Also, think about his administration. Like It was diverse. Where are you going to go that route? Knows and goes full of a bunch of shitheads. Uh, well, yes, but it was a, bur- a bunch of diverse shitheads. Who was his secretary of defense? Was it Colin Powell? Was that his secretary Hold of up. defense? Hold on. I thought it was the dude who was the ex, uh, like big wig at Halliburton. George W. Bush administration. Y- y'all, listen. This dude I- was a fucking crook. Dick Cheney as his VP. Yeah. Dude was garbage. Yes. See, it sucks taking someone so modern. It because does. we know so much more about him, like personally living when he lived. Let's see. Okay. Or when all this shit was happening. Can we get. Come on. Here we go. Oh, no. Can we get his cabinet? I've got it. <clears throat> Do you got it? Yeah. Department of Agriculture. Okay, I don't care about that. No, what? Hold on. I'm working my way through. Department of Commerce, Department of Justice, Department of Labor, Elaine Chow, uh, Mm. Department of Defense, Robert M. Gates, Department of Education, Margaret Spellings. Is this right when he's elected? Uh, This is, 
I mean, this is, it just says during his administration. I mean, dude. We got Condoleezza Rice, Department of State. Um, Who else is on here? We got Dick Cheney. Dude, who the fuck is the Halliburton guy? Was it? <clears throat> Seriously, who's the Secretary of Defense? It was Robert M. Gates. When he was first elected? Who comes next? He has to change it. Does he? God, I don't remember this Gates guy. I, it doesn't have a second one. Oh, Jesus. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Uh, okay. I'm scrolling down. No, I, I don't see a second one. We've got Department of Homeland Security, Michael. Michael. Oh, here's another thing. Okay. I want to finish my diatribe while Ben is doing his research. So Afghanistan. We go to Afghanistan. The world's actually kind of for it. Right. What's crazy is the Afghan government offered to give us Osama bin Laden and Bush was like, nah, that's what's crazy. They would have given Osama bin Laden to us. And Bush was like, nah, that's the shady part. Then, you know, there's all that line about um, weapons in Iraq and we end up going to Iraq Right, despite there being no evidence whatsoever from the UN contractors there. Um, and then the Patriot Act. Dude, lot, complete loss of privacy due to the Patriot Act. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if this, the, the list we're doing should be called best Republican presidents ever or most significant. Because Bush is definitely significant in terms of being a Republican president, in terms of being a president, right? I mean, definitely furthered the power of the president because neither of those wars were sanctioned by Congress. But we went there, our military went there, right, to two different countries with large-scale invasions that destabilized, at least for Iraq and the Middle East, destabilized the Middle East, Um. And kind of open the window later on for uh, ISIL to come in. So uh, I'm getting a little heated right now. Dude, I cannot. I'm getting heated because I can't remember this guy's name. <clears throat> Fuck, he had. I just know he had glasses. Was it Dr. James Peak? No. Was it. Yeah, because Robert M. Gates doesn't... Was it General Michael McCann? No, he wasn't McCasey? a general. He had nothing to do with military. Really? He was yeah. a Halliburton. Was it... No, he had worked for Halliburton. And I know Let's that... Um, wasn't that just... Cheney, Cheney also had connections with Halliburton, but... Man, who the fuck is... Uh, Halliburton connection and Bush presidency. Let's see. Um, hmm... This guy died recently, too, in the last couple of years, I think. The guy I'm thinking of. Wow, how much did Halliburton profit from the Iraq War? $39.5 billion in federal contracts. Jesus. Dude. Holy shit. Cheney must have been the Secretary of Defense under George H.W. Bush. I mean, Cheney was a Halliburton guy. That's the closest I know. He was. Man, who the hell was the other guy? Oh, so wow. I, I really shouldn't say that George W. Bush's administration was super diverse because it's still mostly white people. Yeah. Um, but it was 
more diverse than the Trump administration recently. Um, well, that's, you know, that's not saying much. Bush did put people of color um, in prominent positions of power. So I'll at least, I'll give him that. And Bush is, you know what? I'd like to get a beer with Bush. Yeah, I drink a beer with Bush. He's as well. a painter now. He paints. He does. And you know what? One of his best friends is a black woman, Michelle Obama. Are they actually best friends? Dude, look up pictures of them. They're adorable. Uh, you know what I want to know? In um in a speech, I want I don't know when this was, but Bush just leans over to Obama. Maybe this was during Trump's inauguration. I can't remember. Bush leans over. And Obama starts like cracking up and he can't like hold his composure. I just want to know what Bush said. Dude, the Bushes and the Obamas are ridiculously close. That's crazy. It's crazy and it's dope. I think that's so cool. I mean, I'm not really surprised. Bush, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. No, he seems like he'd be a really fun neighbor. It's just that, you know, he got us into two fucking devastating wars. So I think he's just. A normal guy. I think, honestly, like, cognitively, he's just a normal dude born into a rich-ass family with high expectations who got put in a position of power and was just like, all right, I'll just trust the people around me. <laughs> and the people around him were hella corrupt. Yes. He did read a lot, though. You know, you can look up how much, um, you know, from different sources, like how, how much presidents read. And he was no different than any of our other great presidents, you know, normal presidents and reading a lot. And uh, what's interesting is that Trump is the outlier and that he demanded like a one page bullet point list. Yeah. You know, um, that so. is actually and it goes all the way back to because I remember when I read George Washington's uh, biography, a lot of like throughout his life, he's all about reading. Mm -hmm. He is a student forever. Yeah. Like they are always reading. It's super respectable. I think most presidents typically do. You have to be, I mean, people are shoving information at you and you like, I don't know if I'm president, I really want to understand fully like the political geopolitical situation. And a one pager isn't going to probably do that for me. I'm probably going to need like a thick, I'm going to need almost a book. You know, I'm going to need to read a couple hundred pages a day. Probably of information and digest it. Harry Truman, he was a Democrat, so it doesn't really fit with the draft, but he had a famous saying before we, and this will just cap off the draft, but not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Oh! Stunting on a man. Hey, that's my alma mater, Truman State. Let's go. Let's go, Truman. Hell yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Damn. I hear it. It's time, baby. It's, it's high time. noon. It's high noon, and this draft is over. You know what I put on? I put on my SPF 50 sunblock. Oh, shit, because you can't you can't handle them sunrays. I can't. Dude, it's weird. My arms can handle the sunrays, and my face can handle the sunrays, but my legs are susceptible. Ben's legs are the, they're the color of raspberries right now. Yeah, it's a lobster, but my arms are supple and brown and beautiful. They are. I, if I put my arm up next to my mid leg, it's Neapolitan ice cream. That's crazy. It's super crazy. Anyways, you ready for this standoff? Let's go. All right, bro. Get that shit. Okay. So Abraham Lincoln is the clear number one pick. And honestly, I think whoever has him wins this draft. Abraham Lincoln abolished slavery. 
abolished slavery. Who, I mean, Ben said it himself earlier. Who the fuck knows when that would have happened if Abraham Lincoln didn't get elected? It would have had to happen eventually, just economically. But who the fuck knows? Brazil didn't abolish slavery until 1885 or eight. I don't know which number. So who the fuck knows? I mean, Lincoln is good for his time, but he doesn't even finish his, his first term. Like this guy gets his head capped off. The country was divided under him. Like it was because of his election that we were thrust into civil war. I'm not saying that he wasn't great. He was. He signed something that didn't actually free anybody because it didn't control the states that had withdrawn from the United States. So can that make him the greatest? That's up for debate. But now Theodore Roosevelt, he's got some long lasting things that we're still benefiting from today. And right next to Lincoln is Theodore Roosevelt on Mount Rushmore. I mean, okay. Yeah. Roosevelt's great. No doubt. Right. But let's go to the next candidate. Ulysses S. Grant. Ooh, man. Dude, I mean, I'm looking at George H.W. Bush. I'm going, you know, I mean, yeah, he was significant. Like, but he's a little shady as director of the CIA. Like, like we've talked about, a lot of shit went across his desk. Ulysses S. Grant, at least people might have called him a drunk throughout his life, but at least he got elected because of his wartime prowess and then led radical reconstruction efforts in the South. Yeah, radical reconstruction efforts that failed. And I think it's funny that you look at my team and you're like, my second pick, Grant, I'm going to have to match up against Ben's third pick. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Yeah, I actually you completely, misread you, that. No, you I, looked over Eisenhower. I so did let's, look over Eisenhower. So let's hold up and just pull it back for a second. Let me pull it back. Because Eisenhower is a G. Like this second pick, like highway acts, desegregation, like everything that Grant was thinking he would do and failed at. I mean, Grant leads the way to Jim Crow, but Eisenhower starts to pull us out, right? It's with Eisenhower that we start to make the snowball downward spiral towards Kennedy and ja and Andrew uh, Johnson. That's gonna that's gonna actually give people the right to vote and give them some freedoms. So Eisenhower is just, if we're comparing second pick to second pick, Grant ain't got shit. And then if we're gonna compare Eisenhower to Reagan, I don't care how modern people feel about Reagan. Fuck you, modern people, you don't know shit. Like you are biased and Reagan made the rich rich. Eisenhower warned us about the military industrial complex, which is running rampant right now under George W. Bush, which is a huge facilitator of that. On your team, you have arguably the greatest Republican. I will give you that. But your other three people are garbage, more garbage, and straight trash. Yeah, George H.W. Bush, sketchy, and Nixon, trash. But Eisenhower and Roosevelt, elevate. Let me push back a little bit. Go ahead. I'm going to push back on Eisenhower. Eisenhower's highways, as I mentioned before, paved over black neighborhoods. They divided cities. He wasn't... That wasn't his choice, though. It's not like he had a map with a highlighter and was like, all right, let's go down here to this corridor. That wasn't even his administration. That's the states. That's the state administrations. So if you have a racist state and then the federal government is saying you have to institute like a committee or you have to put together a committee that's going to establish this highway, of course it's going to be made up of racist people because at that time everyone was racist just like at Lincoln's time when Lincoln was also racist. Oh, undoubtedly, but there's no I mean, there's no doubt that we are only now in, I whipped you there. In the, in the last 12 years, 
recovering from the damage that highways and the parking lots that you know are fed by those highways and our in our urban dense cities the damage that those highways have done to our cities um also dude eisenhower warned us on the last day of his administration he could have i mean if he really was serious he he would have done something about it in his administration um but he didn't now ronald reagan listen we led an economic high during reagan's administration baby boomers we're doing cocaine left and right. You know why? Because they had so much money to spend. Oh my God. Because Reagan's administration was riding an economic super wave. Okay. He led optimism through the country, battled the USSR. Listen, I hate Reagan. But you know what? I got to win against Ben and I got to play up some of Reagan's awesome points. And yo, for all you evangelicals out there, Reagan's administration, you know what? You can thank him. For uh, for loving Republicans, George W. Bush. Hey, George H. W. Bush and Nixon. They only took you through one war. My guy, George H. W. Bush, took you through not one. I got H. W. You have W. I'm talking about W. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, my guy, George W. He led us through not one but two wars. No, he two. took us into two. He didn't lead us through them. I, uh, I mean, whatever. He didn't get us to the conclusion. Nixon. Despite left. his mission accomplished sign. <laughs> hey, mission, mission accomplished, America. Nixon left in disgrace and tears. He Dude, <laughs> Reagan is a false head. He comes in, and the in the economy is straight trash. And the things that start to alleviate the strain on the economy are things that were put in place by Carter. They just took time. All things in politics don't take tell time. the listeners that they, they don't, don't know. No, they need to know because it's the same reason why we didn't pick Trump. There's <coughs> nothing that Trump put in that we can see the lasting effects of. But with Reagan, we see the lasting effects. What happens? He comes in. The economy is shit. But by then, Carter's put stuff in place. They start to actually get into into the swing and it helps. And Reagan <coughs> wants to continue what Carter was doing. So he's like, okay, we're going to go the opposite direction. We're going to do huge tax cuts. And so big business, like I, I'm going to keep going back to it. He made the rich richer. CFO, CEOs got huge pay bumps under Reagan. The average worker lost wage under Reagan. Also, huge drug epidemics like occurred under Reagan. Crack is whack. That happens under Nancy Reagan. Like in the late also 80s. the D.A.R.E. program. In the D.A.R.E. Like all of these things. Reagan wasn't the savior. And by the end of his administration, trickle-down economics was start, even though it was short-term, like we were seeing like, okay, it's not really paying out in the investment portion that people expected. George W. or George H.W. Bush runs on that platform saying we're going to continue what was happening and what happens? Things continue to trickle down. It takes the microchip revolution under Clinton to take us way back up. But I mean, all of them are losers. But I mean... What can we say? I think what we can say here that Ben and I each have an awesome guy. And I've got two awesome guys. I do not vibe with you saying that Eisenhower's not an awesome guy. He is. I think he's okay. I I don't know. Okay is better than not awesome. I think the, I still, I just inherently disagree with the highway thing. I just, I cannot. You are focused on what communities did as the highway went through them. But that's not fair to Eisenhower. Eisenhower is one person who's initiating an act that's going to span 50 or sorry, 
48 states. I mean, it is impressive. He's not the one who is determining where the highways are going through each state. It's being planned elsewhere. Yeah, so, like, I think that that is not a fair... I realize that there has to be a winner between the two of us, but I don't think that's a fair measure. And honestly, in a fair... And, like, in an honest battle... Come on now. (laughs) Honestly, that's not on him. He wasn't the one that was dividing communities. He was doing something that was beneficial to the country because this isn't about dividing communities. He's thinking about what happens if there is war on our front. Because again, he is the last. He is the last like four-star general. Wait, for real? It's either four-star or five-star. He's the last like highest-star general. Wow, that's interesting. Um, My other piece about the highway thing though is the lead to white flight in the suburbs, right? And I mean, look, man, traveling around the U.S., there's no doubt. Like, all y'all make an hour-long, sometimes two-hour-long commutes, sitting through traffic. Man, do you like that? Do you like that in your life? Do you like the sprawl of suburbia, the lack of culture out where you live? Do you really enjoy that? Do you like that you're... Your cuisine, the finest cuisine you can go to is a P.F. Chang's. Man, like, density is better. It breeds better innovation. It breeds better businesses, more culture. Like, walk down the street, see a show, you know, see live music, meet diverse groups of people. I just think, like, highways led to a lot of white flight um, and, and more segregation. Uh, like geographically so I don't know I mean I can't I National Highway Act is super important strategically I cannot deny this and also benefits us in many many ways but I often think like well what if we didn't develop these gigantic concrete highways that were made it convenient for us to leave the cities you know what if we had developed our cities more America could look way different. The automobile industry benefited off of that and enormously shut down trolleys. I know, but you're trying to you're trying to change what made America America. Like if you talk to old people, people who were born in the early 20th century and are, you know, at the last stage of their life right now, what made America America? The automobile. Oh yeah. Accessibility, your ability to move around. Like the automobile is a product of America. Like we are synonymous with some of the greatest automotive like brands in history. Yeah. Like the Highway Act was going to happen in some form. Like transportation in transportation, the Highway Act isn't I mean, I want to highlight it's not really there for people, the average person to use. Like when Eisenhower's putting forth the Highway Act. He's not thinking of white flight. He's not thinking of people leaving the cities and going to suburbs and moving outside of cities. He's thinking about, I just came from Germany because he is one of a handful of generals. I mean, five men have held the rank of general of the army. George C. Marshall, Douglas MacArthur, Dwight Eisenhower, Omar Bradley. Um, And those are all five-star generals. Wow. Like, and I'm... And he's and he's the only five star general to become a president. Like he came, he knew what he, he knew what we needed to do to be better after World War II. Mm-hmm. 
Like those highways are not there and the way they're built are not made just so you and I can go drive on them. It's so if there is an emergency, the military can get what they need where they need it to be. Oh, yeah. And undoubtedly, they would probably issue like some sort of martial law to clear the highways or something would happen. And and it, it would be very strategic. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I, I, I think that's and you also got an think, impressive feat. Definitely. And like think about when like Lincoln, Grant, Roosevelt are all in office. Like this is all pre-automobile. The primary means of transportation is railroad. Yeah. But nowadays, the majority of things that are shipped are shipped via truck. They're yep. shipped via the highways. Like more road time is dedicated to high, to to truck drivers than the average pedestrian driver or the average um, city driver. So, I mean, like, yes, the highways divide communities. But again, that's not a product. Like, that's not because of Eisenhower and... Do the highways, you know, facilitate travel away from the cities for for white folks who have the income to move to suburbs? Yeah, they do. But again, like those highways, the thought behind them is through military, safety, self-defense, and economically, they move way more goods than anything else. Well, that was a cool tangent. It was a cool tangent. That was a cool draft. That was a cool draft. Folks, I hope you learned something today. If uh, we got any of our information wrong, let us know. Yeah, we like getting fact-checked, and we'll call you out on the next podcast. Just send us an email to mountdraftmore at gmail.com, and uh, we'll get right on that. Yeah, and uh, make sure you know keep up on us with uh, our Instagram, at mountdraftmore. Um, hey, and if you're feeling spicy, or you know what? I saw this recently in a Shakespeare play. If you're feeling saucy, why don't you give us a five-star review Ooh, on Apple? Ooh, I like that. Stream us wherever you get your podcasts wherever we appreciate you taking your time out of your schedule i mean we don't get paid for this but it's amazing that you will take time out of your day to give us a listen and we really appreciate that so thank you so much have a lovely day have a great one we'll see you here next week